you say John Fisher College graduates living their lives vicariously through athletes. Here's the Dan and Peter Show. Welcome to SoundCloud. Dan and Peter Show. Thank you for joining us again. Peter is out on business. Peter's a pretty busy guy. But one thing I know about Peter is that he loves his Buffalo Bills and he loves a guy by the name of Pat LaFontaine. In fact, a lot of people don't know this. This is a true story. I'm not blowing smoke. Peter used to model, do modeling. He also has appeared in motion pictures such as The Last Man Holiday. He was also in, I think, a movie called Alone, which was filmed here in Rochester. He's been around. He's, he's done a lot of stuff. He meets a lot of athletes. He's got a jet-setting lifestyle. And Pat LaFontaine and Peter actually appeared together in a print ad in the Buffalo News for a tuxedo company. I don't know if it was Tuxedo Junction or not, but Peter was in the background, and Pat LaFontaine was kind of in the picture and was the centerfold, I guess you could call it. I don't want to call it centerfold, but he was the centerpiece of that ad campaign. And in the background was a young Peter Montemurno and two other guys just kind of hanging out like they're at a prom or something or maybe a wedding. After the shoot, Pat LaFontaine told Peter and those two other guys, he goes, hey, guys, when this picture comes out in the paper, I want you to come to my house. I'm going to get the prints. We're going to have a little barbecue, and I'm going to sign these for you. There is no Buffalo athlete more loved and revered than Pat LaFontaine. Not Jim Kelly, not Thurman Thomas, not Bruce Smith, not newly dubbed Hall of Famer Andre Reid. Not Dominic Hoshik, we know that. Not even Daryl Talley, though people love Talley. Not Steve Tasker, though people love Tasker. I mean, the other players you could say fans had a love-hate relationship with. Pat LaFontaine was not one of those. Everybody loved Pat LaFontaine. And Pat LaFontaine, in terms of his NHL career, is more remembered for being a New York Islander than a Buffalo Sabre. The Sabres always caught on late with players, the exception being Dominic Hoshik. The rest of the players that played in a Buffalo Sabres uniform either got better after they left or were on the downside of their careers when they got to Buffalo. See Dale Howarchuk. See Grant Fuhr. Enough said. Meanwhile, guys like Tom Barrasso and Phil Housley got better after they left. But Pat LaFontaine was consistent, and everybody loved him. He did have an injury that kind of cut his Sabres career short, and the Sabres and LaFontaine parted ways, but Sabres fans love that dude. Even people who hated the Sabres love Pat LaFontaine. I don't know if that love changed this weekend, but something ain't right at Seymour Knox Plaza. Something is not going well at the First Niagara Center in downtown Buffalo. In November, Pat LaFontaine was brought in to be the director of hockey operations for the Buffalo Sabres. Worst team in the NHL. We're going to spend all this money. Terry Pagula was a hockey fan who donated $80 million to Penn State to start a hockey program, which means build an arena and all. Start a hockey program at his alma mater. Before he went out and bought the Buffalo Sabres from Tom Golisano for about $225 million, which in professional sports is considered a bargain considering 
what NFL and Major League Baseball and NBA franchises are worth nowadays. And Terry Pagula was going to spend money. They were going to rebuild the waterfront. They were going to rebuild the harbor front. They are going to bring more opportunities and use Western New York companies to build around the arena. They are going to redo the locker room, redo the arena, invest more money in scouts. They were going to increase their payroll. And it hasn't worked out so far in terms of wins, in terms of playoff appearances, and certainly not Stanley Cups. Two years ago, everybody thought Terry Pagula was going to change the world in Buffalo, and it hasn't happened yet. So in November, when the Sabres decided to bring along Pat LaFontaine, and then alongside him was going to be former Sabres head coach, another guy everyone loved until they found out a rumor about him, which still to this day has never been confirmed or denied. I won't even get into it. He brought an old favorite back, and that was Ted Nolan. Ted Nolan helped bring the Sabres back to respectability in the mid-'90s. Then Lindy Ruff took it from there once they decided the Sabres decided not to renew Ted Nolan's contract. Nolan had a very hard time finding an an NHL head coaching job after the Sabres and him split. He got a job with the Islanders, and ironically, Pat LaFontaine also had a front office position with the Islanders. LaFontaine the most beloved Sabre in recent memory, brings one of the most beloved coaches in Sabres history, Ted Nolan, to town and gets fans excited again because guess what? We're bringing in a real hockey coach and we're going to do things the right way. The Buffalo Sabres are going to have a way to do things and this is what's going to happen and here's how it's going to be done. We're going to find a general manager, a guy who's in charge of picking the players, giving them the right, giving Ted Nolan the right guys to work with, Ted Nolan's going to use this remainder of the season as a tryout. We're going to find out if Ted Nolan's the right fit for this this club, and we're going to move forward. And Friday night, the Sabres did, in fact, move forward. They traded their star goaltender, Ryan Miller, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, and team captain Steve Ott, and shipped him out to the St. Louis Blues for some picks and some players. Everybody's like, great, they're moving forward. Not so fast. 24 hours later, it comes out that Pat LaFontaine has resigned from being president of hockey operations from his second different team. He did with the Islanders back when Neil Smith was fired as general manager a few years back, and now... He seems to have left the Sabres behind as well. And, of course, he's got his public relations staff working behind the scenes saying, hey, you know, I love my time in Buffalo. I love what I try to do. But he hired the general manager who pulled the trigger on the trade. And if you're going to take a job where you're going to hire a guy to make your on-ice decisions for you, usually the guy you hire to make those on-ice decisions is usually in lockstep with the guy who hires him. So I don't know what went down over at Seymour Knox Plaza in downtown Buffalo to cause Pat LaFontaine to walk away. Was it a disagreement with club president Ted Black, who runs the non-hockey side of things? Was it a disagreement with the owner? Was it a disagreement with the general manager? Did LaFontaine whisper in Ryan Miller's ear that they were going to talk about an extension because 
even if Miller got traded, LaFontaine could go to Miller and say, hey, look, man, we just need to ship you out to get your Stanley Cup. We can bring you back here next year. We'll give you all the money you want. I need your help with this. I mean, if he wanted to do that, he could have done that. So whatever happened, it doesn't matter. Here's who looks bad in all of this. The Sabres, Pat LaFontaine, and Ted Nolan. The Sabres look bad because now they have a head coach whom everybody likes, who rebuilt the Latvian hockey team. A lot of people didn't even know Latvia had a hockey team until Ted Nolan was hired to run their Olympic hockey team and coach it. Sabres have a three-game win streak coming off the Olympics and a three-year extension sitting on the table for Ted Nolan to become the head coach, no longer interim head coach, the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. And he's a man of principle, as far as people say, and he hasn't signed it yet. So the Sabres look bad in that regard that now Pat LaFontaine, the most beloved Sabre of all time, at least in recent memory, walks, and their head coach hasn't signed a contract. They also look bad because the new general manager they just brought in to run the hockey side of things, as far as putting the players on the ice, can't agree with the guy who hired him to make a decision. So already there's infighting there. Now, as a rule of thumb, you need to defer to the general manager when it comes to picking players. That's why you hire a general manager to pick your players and make those decisions. Because if you're the club president and... You think you can do it better? Then do it. Don't hire somebody to do it and then tell them how to do it. You think you can do better, Pat LaFontaine? You do it. Clearly there was an issue there. Maybe Pat LaFontaine decided after a second go-around as a club president, yeah, this really does suck. I don't want to do it anymore. Maybe that's the case. But you know what, though? Pat LaFontaine could get a pass because of all the great things he's done for the Buffalo Sabres, both in the community and on the ice. He'll always be a beloved Buffalo Sabre. And he'll get the Marv Levy treatment, too, which is Marv Levy was a Hall of Fame head coach for the Buffalo Bills, brought him to four straight Super Bowls, and people give him a pass for absolutely helping ruin the team in the second half of the 2000s when he hired Dick Chiron and only stuck around for two years and had some horrible drafts, taking a job he was unqualified for. But they'll give Marv Levy a pass because he's Marv Levy, he's a Hall of Fame coach, he wasn't qualified, he gave it a shot, it didn't work. They'll give Pat LaFontaine a pass because, you know what, we love Pat LaFontaine. He wasn't qualified to do it. It didn't work. In my mind, he still looks bad in this position because now this is the second time he's left the team high and dry that he was hired to run. LaFontaine looks bad. Savers look bad. And Ted Nolan looks bad because now all of a sudden you've been waiting for an NHL job and all of a sudden you don't want to sign the dotted line? If you're loyal, I guess that does look good, but... Controversy follows Nolan wherever he goes, no matter where he coaches, whether it's the Latvian hockey team with players testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs, not that he has anything to do with that, or the Dominic Hasek saga back in the 1990s, or even the stuff that went on with the Islanders. I mean, the guy was coaching juniors. He was the general manager of the Rochester Americans, and then the Sabres bought the Americans and then told Ted Nolan to take a step down basically. He was coaching these junior leagues, which were just, I I couldn't believe he was actually dropping to that level to coach because he was blacklisted from the NHL. He had controversy with the Islanders, as I've mentioned. And of course, 
He's taking a job coaching the Latvian hockey team after leaving as the general manager of the Rochester Americans. So, clearly, this guy's had some issues. And all of a sudden, now he's finally got a head coaching job, and he can take control. And all of a sudden, out of loyalty to Pat LaFontaine, he may not sign the deal. So now, the guy in charge of the organization is Tim Murray. Another guy who couldn't find an NHL GM job for the longest time. In fact, he was only he was the only candidate for that job that Pat LaFontaine supposedly hired him for. Yeah, Pat LaFontaine looks bad, but you know what? He's gone. Doesn't matter anymore. He'll be forgiven. If Ted Nolan doesn't sign this extension, yeah, he'll look bad. He may not get another job, but if he can live with it, hey, life goes on. The problem here is the Buffalo Sabres, because you're still stuck watching them. You're still stuck rooting for them. They're still stuck sucking. And it reminds you of how bad things really are in Western New York. And as a fan, you've got to be sitting there with a sick pit in your stomach with your favorite coach with one foot possibly out the door, the goaltender you've watched for years now gone in return for a promise, a promise that might work out and might not, potential, let's say. Your favorite player of all time no longer running the organization and an owner with billions and billions of dollars to spend who looks more and more like Ralph Wilson Jr. every step of the way. It sucks being a Buffalo sports fan. Let's talk about the Bills. Jairus Bird. Buffalo Bills. Free safety in the team at an impasse. They can't agree on a contract extension. The Bills may franchise him. As of right now, which is 1.20 this afternoon, the Buffalo Bills have not franchised Jairus Bird. They have until 4 o'clock today to do so, or else he becomes a free agent. Nothing new. It appears that they're not going to franchise him as of right now. Nothing new about franchising him. From a football standpoint, the smart thing to do would be to franchise him because he is one of the best at his position. But then again, if he's only playing 11 games out of 16, all at free safety, with his history of foot issues, both feet, and the fact that he was a malcontent last year, missing all of training camp, all of minicamp, all of the preseason, which, by the way, it's his right to do as a franchise player. After all those things, with a new regime in place, meaning the Doug Whaley, Doug Marone regime, he missed all that time, and with a new defensive coordinator, now he's going to move on to his second defensive coordinator in two years. His third defensive coordinator that he'd be playing for in Buffalo, maybe even his fourth, if I look back far enough. That's irrelevant. He doesn't want to be in Buffalo. Who would? He knows he can go chase millions elsewhere, and someone will pay it because someone always pays it. Worst case scenario, he can come back to Buffalo and get what they were going to give him anyway. He doesn't want to be franchised. He was franchised last year. If you thought last year sucked with him being franchised and only playing 11 games and missing five games last year, wait until this year. He won't show up at minicamp. He won't show up at training camp. He won't show up for the preseason. He'll have that one-year tender. He'll come into the first week of the season, his feet 
could be hurting again. He may miss time. You're going to waste a boatload of cash on a guy who plays the 11th position on defense. He's not a corner. He's a free safety. He's not a defensive end or a linebacker. He's a free safety. He's not a quarterback. He's a free safety. In fact, as far as safeties are concerned, he's not even a strong safety. He's the free safety. Folks, unless your last name is Reed, Palomalu, or Lot, there is no reason to pay the 11th guy on your defense a ridiculous amount of money for all the malcontent he can bring to the table, for all of his injury problems, for the fact that his agent is a tough guy to work with, Eugene Parker. There is no reason to pay Jarris Bird that kind of money and franchise him and make things hellish for yourself because nobody's giving the Bills two first-round picks for this kid. It's not happening. It didn't happen last year. It won't happen a year later. Trust me, it ain't happening, especially if they have to pay him what he wants and give up two first-round picks. It ain't happening. Punt. Punt on Jarris. You know why? Because free safety is the position in the defensive backfield, much like the first base slash DH position has become in Major League Baseball. If you read all these new analytics and sabermetrics books about performance analysis, most of them point to this fact. Never sign, unless you're the Yankees and get away with it, and even they're paying the price for it with Mark Teixeira. Never sign a player to a long-term contract who plays first base or simply is a designated hitter. Even the Red Sox didn't sign David Ortiz to a long-term deal. They've signed him to a series of three- and four-year deals because they know better. Because eventually, there's going to be a guy in your lineup who's going to start hobbling around and can't play left field, right field, center field, shortstop anymore, and you're going to have to put him somewhere. So you bring in a better kid, a younger player, to play his old position and move that guy, if he still has a decent bat, to first base or DH. The Anaheim Angels are paying the price for signing Albert Pujols to that gigantic contract. The Red Sox two years ago made the right move and decided to ship out Mr. Gonzalez to the Dodgers because even he was starting to slip a little bit at first base. Well, it's the same thing in the NFL. If a guy like Aaron Williams, who can't really play corner too well, can move the free safety and actually play pretty well, then there's your answer. Take some would-be corners and make them play safety. They don't need the speed. All they got to do is just hit hard and be there as the backup valve. That's it. They're not paying these guys to pick off passes. They're paying them to be the last line of defense. Free safety. Not linebacker. Not defensive end. It ain't worth the money. It ain't worth the headaches. It ain't even worth the measly worth the measly draft picks that this team might bring along to get Jarris Bird. Unless a team's going to give up two first-rounders or even one first-rounder. I'd be surprised if a team gave up a pair of twos to franchise to get Jarris Bird and sign him from a franchise tag. It ain't happening. Punt. 
Bills fans, punt. Say goodbye to Jarris Bird. It's over. There's no use in keeping the guy around. If you want to go by the philosophy it's better to let a player go a year too early rather than a year too late, here's the perfect example. If there's one thing Marv Levy actually got right with the Bills when he was the quote-unquote GM, he sat Nate Clements down, the team's cornerback who couldn't come up with an interception to save his life, but he was the team's quote-unquote lockdown corner. And he said, hey, I'm going to franchise you this year. Next year, you have my word. I will not franchise you. You can be a free agent. Do whatever you want. He went then the following year and signed the biggest contract for a defensive player in history at the time he signed with the San Francisco 49ers. He didn't last very long in San Francisco. He got his money, but he didn't last very long. Well, imagine franchising a guy like Nate Clements again. It just retards the growth of your younger players. It puts a lot of money against the salary cap, and it's a guy who probably should have left a year sooner rather than a year later. And that's just a corner. Can you imagine doing that with a safety? The reason why safeties are safeties is because they can't be corners. Sorry, it's time to punt on Jarris Bird. A lot of controversy going on with the Bills front office, a little schism between the Doug Marone, Doug Whaley, Russ Brandon people, and the old regime, the treasurer, the money guys, the contract guys, and the training staff of the organization. And through back-channel sources, guys like Whaley and Marone are basically leaking the fact that, hey, this organization needs to change its ways because we've already been left in the dust for the last 14 years. And if you want it to continue, keep doing things the way they are. I think it's good that a guy like Doug Marone, and he hasn't said that publicly, but I think it's good that he thinks that way, that he wants to be here and wants to make this work because he knows if it doesn't work here as a college coach coming to the NFL, if it busts for him, he could end up like Greg Williams. He may never get another head coaching job again if this fails in Buffalo. He doesn't want this to fail. He wants this to succeed because he's a winner. He wants to change the culture in Buffalo. Unfortunately, a lot of the older guys, the lifers, as they say, don't want to do it. In conclusion, between the Bills and the Sabres and all the controversy going on these last few days, it sucks being a Buffalo sports fan. And it sucked for a long time. And I don't know which organization I'd rather not root for. I'm a diehard Bills fan. I can live without the Sabres. In fact, I like when the Sabres win, but if they lose, it doesn't affect my life one way or another. When the Bills lose, I almost expect it. But I want them to turn around and win. And when they have a lead in the fourth quarter, I get excited. And when they blow it, I get pissed off. That's the team I put my money on. That's the team I root for. It sucks having one crappy Buffalo sports team going through all this. I can only imagine what it feels like for those of you who feel just as passionately about both Buffalo sports teams. This is the Dan and Peter Show. Hopefully Peter will be back soon. And you're listening to The Dan and Peter Show right here on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time.